This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, as usual with me in studio... My co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And joining us in studio this morning, of course, is a good friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Mr. Lou Franceschetti, former Washington Capitol and uh, Leaf and Sabre. Lou, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Just to give our listeners a little uh, uh, highlight of the show this morning at 9.10, we'll be talking to Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, of course, Joe the Throw, uh, former Toronto Argo legend, uh, uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish alumnus and uh, Washington Redskins hero as well. We'll be talking, he was in town this, uh, this week to take in the Toronto Argos preseason game. In the middle of the hour, the senior hockey writer for uh, the Post Media News, Michael Trakos, uh, one of my favorite sports writers in the country. And, of course, there's a Stanley Cup final game tonight in Nashville. The Stanley Cup is in the house, and we'll be talking to Michael Trakos about that in the middle of the hour. Uh, a topic that's uh, going to become more and more in the forefront in the next uh, month or so as we head towards uh, the dog days of summer, as they call them. Naz, and uh, we're, t- of course, talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, good result for the Blue Jays last night. Out, uh, It was a late result. Uh, uh, took a game from the Mariners. Uh, Stroman, a great performance last night. Uh, but, um, you know, every time the, the, the Jays seem to, th- seem to be breaking out, they, they take one step forward and they take one step backward. They sort of, they sort of seem like they're in a holding pattern right now. Uh, don't know which way this season's developing, but we're in the middle of June and things are going to get interesting between now and the end of July. Um, yeah, we had a heated discussion before the show about uh, the Jays. Uh, yeah, we have a seriously heated discussion. Uh, Especially about the Yankees. The Yankees, uh, Jays, and, uh, and, and what's happening with the Jays. Uh, um, going back to... Jays, uh, you know, they got they got a few of the injured guys back in the lineup a few weeks back, and uh, got a brief uh, brief uh, flurry of momentum, Naz. But um, they don't, uh, they can't seem to can seem to just take it to the to the next level so far this year. I think they will, though. I think that that uh, the, their home record seems to be getting better, and that's when they were streaking when they played at home. Out of the ten games, I think they won eight, but. Um, I see, I see the uh, I see the Yankees there. I see, I see the Yankees there, the Red Sox, and the Jays third. But Boston finishing first. That's what I said before the season started. And, uh, you know, you can't underestimate the Yankees. Very powerful team. Lewis, your, your beloved New York Yankees, um, certainly they're in, uh, they're in a pretty good position right now. Um, 
Got some pretty good young talent in the uh, in the um, in the in the lineup, and uh, you certainly seem to be uh, pretty positive about what's going on. I really like what's going on, especially with the uh, so-called uh, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez finally coming up, uh, playing as good as he did last year and hitting the ball. Uh, it's just uh, the moves that uh, Brian Cashman made last year. Uh, Selling more or less Chapman and uh, Miller to their prospective teams and getting back uh, the prospects that they had. I, I don't think that they expect the judge to be this good this quick. Sanchez had a great 50 games last year. And uh, what I really like is that everybody's contributing. They brought in Matt Holliday, who's got 14, 15 home runs, knocked in about 40 runs. Aaron Hicks is playing out of his world. Uh, he's played more or less like the player that was that when he came over from Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, it, the year is still early. Uh, we'll see what happens in uh, in the next probably 60 games or so, see where they stand, see if they're in contention. Uh, the one thing that really bothers me, that doesn't bother me, but worries me, is that their, their pitching really has to start uh, producing as well as they have in the last week or so, and they're doing it without uh, Tanaka too. The run production, Louis, has been incredible. Uh they look like the Jays of two years ago. Their pitching was suspect, and their hitting is fantastic. They're scoring a lot of runs. Well, That's I, I was watching like. the game last night, and they, they brought up a good point that their their uh, run differential is plus 110. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're second in the league to Houston. So, they, you know, that's, that's one stat that you've got to look at that, you know, for them, I don't think they expected the the run production that they were getting out of Sanchez and uh, especially Judge now with, with him getting his own uh, cheering section. Yeah, for sure. And and the, and the Jays, uh, where would they be without Smoke? <laughs> really, eighteen home runs. Who expected that? Well, especially with when they brought in Morales and letting uh, Edwin go, it's you know it just goes to show you that. If you give a guy a, a good chance to, to play the game, uh, you, you never know what kind of numbers. He, he was a great prospect coming out of uh, Seattle, uh, mm -hmm. went to Texas in a big trade, and then when he first came over here, it was more or less he was uh, platooned with, with Edwin on, on a regular basis, and Edwin was probably getting two games for every three. Uh, and it's tough for a kid like that to come in and, and actually produce. And right now, you know, he's putting up great numbers. I think he's going to be the lone representative for the Jays in the All-Star game. When they talk about the trade with, uh, or the free agent signing by Encarnacion with Cleveland, they were comparing it to Morales. But you should compare it to Smoke because Smoke was taking, would have taken Encarnacion's time. And uh, I, think, I think that's the case. Right? Anyways, guys, sorry I got to interrupt. We have, uh, we're pleased to announce that we have uh, Joe Theismann on the line. Of course, Joe's uh, a Toronto Argonaut legend and a uh, friend of the Nazimoli Sports Hour. Good morning, Joe. How are you this morning? Good morning, Walter. How are you? We're doing fantastic. Of course, we're in studio here with my co-host, Naz, and uh, a former Washington Capitol. Um, um, you may remember him from his days in the Washington Capitol. Lou Franceschetti has joined us in studio this morning as well. Well, good morning to everybody. Thanks so much, Joe. I noticed you were in town this week uh, taking part in the festivities at the uh, Toronto Argonaut game the other night, and you brought the Argos... Uh, some good luck. The Argos got their season off to a good start, beating the uh, beating the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, it was great to see you in town, and uh, hopefully uh, you come to more Argo games. But uh, your sense of uh, 
the Argos and uh, your uh, your fond recollections of your days as an Argo. Well, I'll you know I'll always consider Toronto a home for me. It was uh, my first professional experience. Two of my three children were born in Toronto General, so. For me, uh, Toronto itself is just a very special place, and the people are always so wonderful. And you know, having played for the Argonauts, we, you know, it was a it was a special group of guys back then. That '71 team, they made the basically you could call it a movie they made about us with the documentary they did for the Grey Cup. Uh, it was such a unique collection of individuals. And Luke knows what it's like. I mean, when you when you're on a team, and it's it's a group of guys that really care about one another, that have fun, enjoy themselves not just at the workplace, but, you know, all the time their families interact. It's the best working environment you can possibly be in. And then, to, you know, be able to the old CNE, uh, which is now the parking lot of BMO Stadium, I believe, um, was such a great place uh, to have the fans. You know, they're on one side of the field. The river was on the other. I mean, it was it was just I have so many wonderful memories of being there. And uh, now, you know, Mark Trespin has been a close friend of mine for well over 40 years. And. You know, I've known him when he coached in San Francisco and Arizona and Minnesota and North Carolina and the Miami Dolphins. And you, you basically name it wherever he's been. We've always stayed in contact. And when he got the Argonaut job, I, you know, I got excited because he's won two Grey Cups in Montreal. And he has the ability to be able to make a difference in that football team. And he asked me to stop up to see the game. And I thought they played really, really well. And then, uh, and then I had a chance to talk to the team um, the next day. Uh, Friday, so uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a very interesting football team. I think uh, the quarterback situation is solid. I hope Ricky can stay healthy, and um, you know the running back situation is good. Uh, they're going to carry, and I mean you've got 80, 85 guys in camp, and only going to carry forty three on the roster, which I found interesting when I played up there. There were only thirteen Americans allowed to play uh, on the on the team. Now it's up to twenty. I think it's twenty twenty and three specialists. Joe, why did it not work out for Mark Cressman in the NFL? Uh, you know, it's part, I think part of it, I think a little bit of it is politics. I think a little bit of it is uh, just uh, not understanding, uh, you know, coaches sometimes or philosophies. I mean, the first year, everybody raved about him in uh, Chicago. And then all of a sudden, the second year, you know, you get players complaining and ownership listens. You never quite know why general managers and ownerships make decisions. And it just, uh, I think it worked. Oh, I think it worked out very well for Toronto. Uh, Joe, uh, coming up in the uh, Toronto Argonaut season, of course, you've heard, uh, uh, you know, you've watched the Argos from afar, and we've 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 talked to them about it a bit. And it's uh, we're certainly hoping that Mark Tressman and Jim Pop bring a different era, um, because the quite frankly, the Argonauts have not achieved a great deal of success at the box office uh, in the last few years and hope for springs eternal, but... Uh, yeah, you built, you know, this whole thing about you build it, they will come. This is a beautiful facility, by the way. That stadium, BMO Stadium, is a, a great place to watch a game. It's, uh, you know, the Argos have their own stadium now. I mean, you played in the Rogers Center for a long time, and it was so big. And you're going to get, you know, if you get 15, 20, if you get 20,000 people to a game, that's, that's a huge amount of people. But you stick them in a 60-plus-thousand-seat stadium. I know what it's like. Uh, RFK Stadium that I played in in Washington is 55,000. And in 1974, uh, the veterans were on strike. And the rook, you know, I was a rookie, and we played in that particular stadium. And there were 5,000 people there. Heck, every signal I called echoed. It felt like I was <laughs> playing in the canyon. 
It just reminds me, Joe, the, the, of course, we, we, we always, when we, when we talk about the Toronto Argonauts and we talk about Joe Theismann, well, the, the 1971 Argos always come into the equation. And, and, and we look back and, uh, you know, Naz and I, uh, we were big, uh, big Argo fans. Actually, I, I think I was an Ottawa Rough Rider fan in those days. I was a big Russ Jackson, uh, Russ Jackson fan. But uh, you look back and you remember how incredibly popular the, uh, the CFL was. In, 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 in this young generation probably has no idea how popular you guys, specifically the 71 Argos, uh, and that particular team, um, it was, it was, you guys were a buzz in the city and something. Well, it, was, ha- it was interesting. You have to remember, not just in, in Canada or in Toronto, but society was changing. I mean, you had bell bottoms. 1971 was the end of the Vietnam War. And we were still involved in engagements around the country, around the world. And so, you know, for Americans to go to Canada, everybody thought, well, you're just you're going up there not to be drafted. And that wasn't the case at all. I would have stayed. I would have been more than happy to stay if I could have worked out a contract with John Bassett. I'd have been like Doug Flutie. I'd have stayed there for a number of years or Warren Moon. Guys that stayed for more than three or four years. I'd have been very happy to stay. I love living in Toronto. I love the people of Toronto. I loved everything about it. Um, but unfortunately, John Barrow, uh, who became who was a great Hamilton Tiger Cat, became the general manager of the Toronto Argonauts, and John and I didn't see eye to eye. And Mr. Bassett put basically a moratorium on spending, and said we're just not going to be giving out a lot of money anymore. And so, you know, I, my rights were traded. I was uh, originally drafted by the Dolphins. My rights were traded uh, to the Redskins, um, and you know, I joined them in '74 and spent my first two years returning punts here. And uh, and I, I like the rules. I like some of the rules that they've changed up there in, in the Canadian League. You know, just stand on the sidelines, people educating me on some of the different rule changes that have gone forward. Uh, we're, t- we're talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, I know you've got a really, really hectic day, and we won't keep you much longer. Uh, and uh, but- t- Actually, Walter, I'll be honest, I have a tea time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I was- being, I'm being candid and honest with you. Uh, and, right. and, and, and I appreciate that, and I know that you mentioned it to me off the air. I wasn't going to mention it to our listeners, but, but uh, <laughs> I'd love, I'd love, quite frankly, I'm a little There's bit... There's nothing in- wrong with him having a tea up there. <laughs> no, not, nothing at all. Like, the only thing wrong with that is I'm a little bit envious, Joe. You know that you're we... Not, you're not going to be doing it, too. That's yeah, I mean, you know, you and I, you and I bumped into each other in the locker room down in Lake Manassas a, a couple of years back, and I'm a little That's bit. Where in, I am now. Is that yeah, and, and it's a fabulous facility. So uh, the only thing wrong with this is I'm not playing in your foursome. So uh, <laughs> darn, I know. Uh, hopefully n- next time. It's a gorgeous day down here too. Yeah, next time. But I, I just want to leave it off at this. I know you got to get going really, really quickly. I've got I've got a lot of Alabama testosterone in the studio with me this morning. But just a quick, really quick summary of the Fighting Irish. Uh, which is uh, my my two great dreams, uh, two of the great dreams I have the rest of my life is to see the Leafs win the Stanley Cup and the Irish winning the national championship. It's been a long time. Uh, How's the season shape up? I'll cover Alabama, too. You know, our first two draft picks were out of <laughs> that's, Alabama. That's right. They, uh, Ryan, Ryan Jonathan Anderson, Allen, Ryan Anderson. Jonathan Allen. Yep, those are, so that's what we think of Alabama, okay? I mean, Nick just puts out great football players. You know what he does? Not just football players, he puts out great kids. I mean, you, as, you, as you look at the NFL, how many guys have gone to Alabama have you read about having problems? One. I mean, he, he really creates a great kid to come out, and, and these kids are really talented. So that, that's, you know, that's the Alabama connection to the NFL. And then on top of that, the Irish this year, I think Brian's done a really good job. He's got, 
we've got the coach from Wake Forest, the defensive coordinator, and Chip Long's our offensive coordinator. He came out of Memphis, and I also live in Memphis, Tennessee. And the offense is going to be wide open. I think we've got a couple of young quarterbacks who can play. Brandon Wimbush and the, uh, the other young man is uh, about of California. They're both you know, good football players. And, you know, we, we've got enough skill talent to be able to compete with anybody. I mean, you know, now Michigan's on the roster, and there'll be some great barometer games just to see where we are. But they, the record last year was totally unacceptable, totally unacceptable uh, for the Fighting Irish, for anybody that's an Irish fan. But I think it'll be a lot better this year. Joe, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and um, hope you break 80 today if that's considered a good game for you. All right, Joe, have a well, good game. I, I, if I, if I shoot 80, I'll be run out of town. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Fair enough. En- you guys. En- enjoy okay. your day, Joe. Thanks so much. That, of course, was uh, Joe Theismann. Uh, Joe, See, nothing wrong with having a tee-off time. No, nothing wrong with it at all. And uh, he's, it's, it's, uh, he's a gentleman to join us. He was, uh, he's, he's busy this morning. He always makes time for us. And, uh, you know, we talked to Joe Theismann. You talk about the 71 Argos. It certainly brings back uh, a lot of fantastic memories. That was certainly a great team. And, uh, of course, that team was led by Leo the Lip Cahill, uh, the, the uh, you know, and uh, I hear Leo's, he's, he's, uh, not in good shape. he's not doing well, although we wish him all the best. Uh, um, you know, he's had his challenges, and, uh, you know, just the thought of those guys, the Dave Ramey's and the Stillwagons and uh, some of those, uh, and, of course, Theismann and Simons and Leon McQuay and uh, Pete Martin and... Uh, you know, I, I remember. In, I remember what a cast in the 70s, of characters. I remember in the seventies, I went to an inter-squad game, blue versus white. Remember they had them at yep. the exhibition. Forty-seven thousand people, and the the Argos had signed Lou Ferrigno. Hulk, Hulk. Remember, the Hulk, remember that the incredible Hulk? Yeah, I, I actually remember that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, this is a funny show because now. There's something Wally and I both agree on. That oh, I was no, not hold on, a, hold on. <laughs> Sebastian, our producer, Sebastian, our producer, put put the tape recorder on. <laughs> there is something that Lou Franceschetti and Walter Rigabon agree upon. This is this. We're going to take this one I down up. and memorialize He's it. He's an Go Ottawa ahead. Rough Rider fan. I was an Ottawa Rough Rider fan until I left. <laughs> Watching. Jackson, Margene Atkins, oh, Margene Whit, 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 Tucker. Whit Tucker was my favorite uh, player. Campbell, number twenty-six. And then, then Whit Tommy Tucker. Clements came in from Notre Dame. And Guys, later where's your Rough Rider hats? Where's your Rough? Uh, I got to dig one up. The Rough Riders, the Ottawa Rough Riders, don't even exist and, uh, anymore. And Tony Gabriel, Tony Key came along a little bit later. Yeah, uh, but the late a- and Bo of course Bo Scott, Bo Scott, who ended Vic up Washington. Remember that. Uh, Bo Scott ended up Some going to the Cleveland that. Browns, and Vic Washington ended up going to the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, uh, the, the little bowling ball from Queens University, Ronnie Stewart, Stewart. number 11, yeah. was the most valuable player in the— uh, Margene Atkins. Margie, remember that catch Margene yeah. Atkins made in the 1968 uh, Grey Cup you... against the Calgary Stampeders when, uh, when uh, I, I think— um, it, when uh, Russ Jackson and uh, Ottawa was struggling in that game, and uh, I think it was like an 80-yard bomb. And then uh, remember Vic Washington, he, remember the one where he circled around, dropped the ball, picked it up, and ran for an 80-yard touchdown. Do you remember the playoffs where Toronto won the first game? I think they beat Ottawa. Ottawa? It was a two-point total. It was two-point total in the Eastern right. Conference Finals, right. yeah. They, they were leading, I think, 20-6. to six, Something like that. Leo Cahill came out and said, it'll be an act of God if we lose. <laughs> it <wasn't laughs> and it was an act of God. 
<laughs> Anyways, that's uh, certainly uh, you know it's you know when you talk to Joe, Joe Joe's never short of opinions, and he's never and he's and he's and he's articulate, and he's he's a, he's a fabulous storyteller, and uh, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to Joe Theismann. Anyways, we're going to go to our first break, and then after the break, we'll be back with Michael Traco. So we're going to be talking about the NHL Stanley Cup, which could possibly be awarded tonight to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. And on the internet, www. ZoomerRadio.ca. We should have Michael Trakos on the line shortly. We've got our uh, producer trying to connect with him. And, uh, gentlemen, the Stanley Cup is in the house tonight. Um, and it's always, it's always uh, an incredible occasion. The Stanley Cup is the most iconic sports trophy in the world. It's almost like it, you know, when, they, when they wheel it out, it's, people can actually get chills down their spine. But... Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins gave the Nashville Predators a shellacking the other night. And um, and uh, are we going to see that repeated tonight? You know what? It's going to be a good question. It really all depends on uh, on a couple of things. Uh, whether Pecorini is going to actually show up, and he does uh, at home. And if Malkin uh, decides to bring his A game to, to the lovely city of Nashville tonight. I think those are the two big keys, and uh, 
in the first five games is Nashville really uh, hasn't showed up except for the game one where they should have beaten Pittsburgh. And uh, and Malkin hasn't played well on the road yet. Ness? Uh, I think that uh, I think it's going to be over tonight. I think Pittsburgh's going to wrap it up. Uh, Pittsburgh has not won a Stanley Cup at home in the uh, last four, the four that they've won. They haven't won it at home. So I think they're going to win again on the road. Well, it's kind of it'd be a great, a crazy place to win it, uh, and especially the way that town uh, has has accepted the Stanley Cup as a big party city. Um, you know, it, it. I think the first couple of games were quite boring, but uh, the last couple with with Sydney more or less saying, "Boys, jump on my back. I'll, I'll carry you the rest of the way." Uh, it just goes to show you how how one player can actually carry a team on his back. Uh, and carry him to that promised land. Anyways, we're pleased to uh, welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour Michael Trakos, who is, of course, senior uh, writer for Post Media News. Good morning, Michael. How are you this morning? Uh, pretty good. Getting ready to wrap this thing up as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about that. Sorry. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier on the show, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much interest there is outside of Nashville and Pittsburgh. Uh, certainly, you know, playing hockey in the middle of June, uh, uh, now that the weather has warmed up, sort of somehow takes away, unless you're like a really fanatical hockey fan, uh, it, it's tough to be interested at this time of year. But uh, certainly the people in Nashville are very, very interested. And, uh, Michael, just give us a little sense of how hockey has taken over, uh, has taken over Nashville and uh how 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 important this particular series is to that community? Well, it's, yeah, and uh, it is surprising. Um, now it's becoming less and less surprising as the playoffs have continued, and we just keep seeing this round after round. But uh, just one little snapshot so for Game Five, uh, which was in Pittsburgh, um, the Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville was completely sold out with fans that were just watching the game. Um, and there was maybe half uh, half that amount uh, outside as well, watching on a big screen. So, yeah, this is a this is a fan base that uh, comes out and comes out and is really supportive, and um, it, it really is something to see because there's a there's no shortage of entertainment options in Nashville, and yet um, the hockey team is getting well represented. How did they fit forty thousand people on Broadway? I've been to Broadway. I don't know how they <laughs> fit forty thousand people there. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know what? If you're at all claustrophobic, avoid Nashville. Because, <laughs> uh, man, they, they jam them in uh, to every honky tonk bar, and yeah, like you said on that Broadway. Uh, you know they've, they've been shutting it down, so you can walk on the actual uh, road as well. But yeah, I've been trying to avoid it these days just because I don't deal well with big crowds. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos, Michael uh, Naz, I and uh, and our. Uh, and our uh, other co-host this morning, Lou Franceschetti, we're talking about the series earlier. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's up 3-2, and the only game they really dominated was uh, was the last game. And, you know, the, very easily um, this series could have gone a different way. And 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 one of the uh, the players that's probably been the most controversial in the series, and, and you wrote an interesting article, of co- is of course the Nashville goalie Pekka Rinne. Uh He's had he's had one hell of an up and down series. Um, he he seemed to be when this series started seemed to be the reason why 
Nashville had a chance um, or to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, he had come into the series. He had stood on his head against Chicago, against uh, St. Louis, and uh, and Anaheim, and been the deciding factor in all three of those series. But he's had an up and down series um, against Pittsburgh. Um, what happened? Yeah, it's it's been a t- kind of like a tale of two goalies for whatever reason. Um, at home, he's allowed two goals in two games uh, combined, and uh, on the road, he's just been. I, I call him Doctor Jekyll and Mister Fivehole. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, where uh, yeah, at home he's as good as uh, any goalie in, in the playoffs. He's been that Con Smythe winner, and then on the road, whatever happens, uh, not just on the road, but just in Pittsburgh, let's put it. Um, I don't know what happens, but yeah, he's been pulled twice in three games, uh, allowed uh, a Baker's dozen of goals uh, in those three games. And at the same time, you're saying, okay, well, if he wins uh, tonight and forces a game seven, and if Nashville is somehow able to pull this one out, I think he's at the top of everyone's Conn Smythe uh, trophy list if uh, Nashville wins. So it's kind of a weird thing. Like You would never think goalie that gets pulled twice in the final uh, would still be up for the Conn Smythe, but it's a testament to how good Pecorino has been when he's been good. So um, it's weird because I think everyone fully expects us to go game seven just because of how good Pecorino has been at home. Like I said, only two goals in the last uh, two games now uh, at home. But if it goes game seven, I know we're a little, I'm looking too far ahead right now. I don't know what you do if you're national because you really hope that you get a different kind of goalie but you know we'll, we'll see what happens tonight if you can kind of continue that streak michael is there another level that uh, crosby can take his game to right now it seems like uh the first four were more or less just to uh, get used to the nashville uh if you want to use a pk suban and everybody else is trying to get under crosby's skin uh and is malkin going to show up tonight because it i think that's the probably the biggest key uh, to Pittsburgh's game right now, if he can come out uh, of his shell on the road, uh, it's really going to be no no match for for Nashville. Yeah, well, I think the worst thing PK Subban did was he he poked the bear and he woke him <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> don't get Sidney Crosby upset. I think ever since those Listerine comments were made, uh, where he implied that Crosby um, said Subban's breast stung, which ended up being a complete total lie and. Um, kind of aggra- maybe aggravated Crosby. Uh, man, this guy has been playing at an all-world level yet again. And I don't know how many times I've said this over the years where, well, he's he's taking this game to another level. And like you said, can he take it, keep taking it to other levels? Apparently he keeps saving these other levels because um, Crosby just keeps pulling these games I've had. I don't know how he does it. Um, game five was as good of a game as I've seen anyone play. Uh, from an individual standpoint, where it was just Crosby leading and everyone else was just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going along with this ride now and um, all benefiting from it. Um, and like you said, if, if Malkin can kind of continue that as well, he's been, you know, it's funny because I know the Consmite, if the Cup gets awarded tonight, we're going to be deciding on the Consmite trophy. And you know what? It's like Malkin still leads in goals, still leads in points. And you know, he was that guy that stood up when Crosby was out for, what, a game and a half uh, against the Washington series with the, the head injury. And yet, I don't know. I, I don't know anyone who's not picking Crosby as the Smythe winner if Pittsburgh wins this thing because it's clear that it, this is his team. This is his playoffs right now. And 
Um, everyone else is, like I said, just going along with the ride. But, yeah, the Pittsburgh needs more guys. And um, Malkin's going to have to be good tonight. Kessler's going to have to be good tonight. But I think the most important factor for Pittsburgh is their defense. What we saw in Game 5 was they were able to move the puck out of their own end efficiently, cleanly, um, really start that rush and um, really kind of prevent the Nashville from uh, effectively forechecking. And they're going to have to do the same thing on the road, which is going to be tough because you look at Pittsburgh defense and there's not a whole lot of talent back there. Michael, um, Sidney Crosby, they've accused him of uh, getting special treatment. <laughs> Uh, the water bottle incident and the uh, slam of the head, well, slam, push of the head to PK on the ice the other night. He gets, Does he get away with a lot or not? He might get away with some, but, like, you are watch him closely and see the kind of abuse he takes. Like, PK Subin's got him wrapped around like a Ken Shamrock kind of ankle <laughs> lock up from there. And, I don't know, every shit is getting hacked, hooked, held, and... Uh, everyone's trying to get under his skin, so maybe there's a little leeway. Just the referee is knowing what Crosby is putting up with. Uh, I didn't understand what the whole um, why everyone was so upset that he was pushing Subban's head against the ice. Like he, he was literally in a spot there where he either had to sit and take it, or um, the referee was going to have to jump in. And I think neither one was going to happen. So you know, he started pushing Subban's head against the ice, saying like, "Let me out, let me out," and um, it kind of kept going on and on and. It, it was almost reminiscent of Brad Marchand against Rabbit punching one of the Sedins, but I don't I don't think Crosby's getting away with stuff. If anything, I think the league has to do a better job of protecting its best talent. Do the Penguins win the cup without Phil Kessel? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. <laughs> Naz is always provocative. Without Kessel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He scores so big goals. Line, right? I think the real question is, do the Penguins win the Cup without Jake Gunsel? Um, tell, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, uh, the first time I'd ever really heard about Jake was when we were, I was doing my my usual playoff draft before the playoffs started, and, and a gentleman that I drafted with drafted him fairly high in my draft. I said, wait, why are you wasting a pick on Jake Gunsel? And my buddy is looking like a genius right now. Um where did, where did Jake Gunsel come from, and and is he that good? Yeah, it's, it's, your buddy's a genius. Your <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. What a story Jake Gunsel is. Like, he was a, a former stick boy for uh, uh, college hockey, uh, actually same college that Phil Kessel played at and uh, was a stick boy when Kessel was there. Um, and now here he is. Uh, he's got the golden stick, uh, as it seems, for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I think he's he's one of those guys that's just a beneficiary of playing with Crosby, and yet I think there is some talent there as well. Um, Jake Gunsel, I think he was either a second or third round second pick. Second round pick? Yeah, put up decent numbers actually in the American Hockey League for guys his age. So it's surprising that he's come up this far because we didn't see a whole lot of him in the regular season. He was basically in the minors the whole year. Um, but, yeah, you know, whether it's Connor Sheary, Brian Rust, whoever, um, Sidney Crosby can make uh, a really good line mate uh, out of basically anyone, and you and me included. So <laughs> um, I'd be interested to see how good Jake Gunsel is if you put him on Colorado. <laughs> so um, nothing to say. I'm not taking anything away from the kid because he's been just on fire and he's got obviously a little bit of talent there. But I don't know if we're taking, talking about him in the same breath uh, – 
if he's playing on another line or for another team. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, uh, um, just to take a, bring it home a little bit uh, for 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 the last couple of minutes here. Um, NHL drafts coming up at the end of the month, and Leafs have uh, have a few picks, and uh, they're not drafting as high as they normally have. And uh, of course, uh, we're all we're all waited we're all waiting uh, with hopes in terms of who the Leafs might particularly draft this particular uh, in this particular draft. Any uh, any sense of uh, what the Leafs might be looking at, or who might be potential prospects when the uh, Leafs are uh, who, potential prospects who might still be there when the Leafs are drafting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. There's not a whole lot of you know, you're not going to get anyone that's going to jump into the lineup. I don't think uh, where the Leafs are picking. I, I think really, I don't know. You don't. You never say you draft by position, but I think the Leafs would love to kind of address uh, maybe their weakness on the back end and get a defenseman and. Um, there's some smaller skilled guys uh, from Sweden that uh, might be available still then. Um, they can kind of take a flyer on, and I think that's a perfect opportunity for Toronto. It's like you, you've really loaded the minor ranks and obviously the NHL level with young talent here, whether it's uh, Marner, Nylander, Matthews, um, even guys like Travis uh, Dermott, uh, Jeremy Bracco. Um, there's a lot of guys that are on their way um, as well. Um, so I think now you can kind of maybe really take a chance and say, okay, well, here's a guy that if he does pan out, we're looking at the next kind of Eric Carlson. If he doesn't, well, we, we blew him. But um, I think you're now in a position where you can kind of start taking those chances. And um, I don't know. I'm not going to say any names because I'm not that well familiar with it. I, I've heard a couple rumblings on, uh, I forget what the kid's name is, but there's a small-skilled guy out of Sweden that, People are wondering, okay, well, he's a little too small for a defenseman. Can he be the guy? And I think those are the kind of perfect scenarios that Toronto's looking at where you're going now, okay, well, we have our team basically. Um, we're just missing a couple spots. Let's really take a chance here. And if we hit a home run on this one, boy, oh, boy, it's going to be a grand slam. I think the uh, it's going to be a memorable summer because a lot of players are going to be moving teams, especially with the expansion draft. And I, I hear there's a lot of players that are going to be moving all over the place. What do you hear, Michael? Yeah, I think Anaheim's in a position where they're going to have to move one of the defensemen uh, just because of how many players they have, whether it's Perry or, um, oh, geez, the Bieksa, uh, who've got no movement clauses. So right, right away you have to kind of protect those guys. And um, it's going to be interesting whether it's Sammy Vatnin or um, a Manson or someone like that on, uh, or like a Shea Theodore on uh, Anaheim becomes available in a trade scenario. And I think a lot of teams, Toronto included, can take advantage of that because um, they, they do have the prospects that they can kind of deal and um, they can make it really interesting for a team like Anaheim. So, yeah, I, I fully expect there to be a lot of movement. Um, it would be interesting to see which, which teams are the players, like uh, which, whether it's Carolina kind of gets things started and what, was trying to address their forward situation, or if it's Toronto, just trying to pick up the defenseman. But yeah, I, I fully expect it to be a ton of movement. Michael, um, have you heard yet on uh, who the Leafs are uh, protecting or leaving unprotected? And how high are the Leafs on Cal Foot, Adam's uh, sibling out in Kelowna? Yeah, I don't know who the Leafs are going to protect. Uh, who might they leave? Unprotected, whether it's going to be a, a Carrick or a Martin, um, 
haven't heard much on foot, to be honest. Um, it'll be interesting, like I said, uh, in the next week, um, week or two, I guess, uh, we're going to see a lot of names being propped up. And I think it's just going to be like, I think every team out there is going to be rumored to get one guy or another. Anyways, we've been talking to Michael Trakos. Michael uh, is, of course, a senior hockey writer, Post Media News. Locally, you can see him in the Toronto Sun and also in the National Post. If you're a hockey fan and you like incisive uh, critical analysis, by all means, have a look at Michael's work. It's uh, Michael, your your work is some of my favorite work in hockey writing in Canada. And uh, once again, I know it's Sunday morning. I know that uh, Sundays are important days to you, and uh, we always thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to providing us with your insights. Thanks so much, Michael. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's uh, funny. It's like, let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to July here. Time to get on with the summer. Anyways, Michael, right, once again, uh, thanks so much, and as always, travel safely. All right, thanks, boys. Appreciate thanks. It. That, of course, was Michael Trakos, and uh, he's a... Uh, He's a, he's a quality hockey writer, Naz, and uh, I always look forward to reading his material. And, um, you know, I have a sense that uh, the hockey, Stanley Cup's not going to be given out tonight. There's something about, um, and, I'm not, and I'm not entirely convinced that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup. I think that may be, I mean, there's a huge reaction to what they did in Game 5. Uh, but it's not unheard of for uh, teams to come back from blowout losses in Game 5. And we've gone down memory lane quite a bit this morning. Uh, but there's something about this playoff series in certain respect in that Game 5 that reminds me of a playoff series in the 1971. I know you remember this one well, Naz. Uh, Chicago. And no, no, not that one. Boston and Montreal. Boston and Montreal. And that, was, that series went back and forth. Uh, one team was blowing out the other one in every game. And Boston blew out Montreal in Game 5 in that game and they sort of everybody was just saying okay Oren Espo and all those guys we've they've taken over the series Montreal's old Jean Beliveau and Frank Mahavaj these guys are old They're, the the series is over and then Montreal came back and won game 6 uh and you know as well as I do um game 7 anything can happen anything can happen in a game 7 and um uh, this is all not all that dissimilar from the Pittsburgh Ottawa series that that we just witnessed, uh, where you know Pittsburgh had seemed to taken over the series in 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 the middle of it, um, and then it went it went to um, uh, you know Ottawa managed to squeeze out the victory in Game Six, and in Game Seven, you know Pittsburgh I won't say they're lucky, uh, they weren't lucky, but <laughs> Ottawa could very well have made it to the Stanley Cup Final. It sure helps being there. In that situation, though, and uh, the, the, having done it before, Lou, is the series over? I think it is. Uh, it's just Crosby's going to play. He's going to come to that next level, and I think the boys are going to jump on his back. And uh, is it a, know, they're going to win tonight, or they're going to win in Game Seven? Oh, I think they're going to win it tonight, uh, only because Nashville's never been in a situation like this before, even though it's previous series. And you're talking about the '71 series uh, with Montreal and uh, and I mean, Boston. I, I, that one just particularly sticks in my yeah, but it, no, it sticks there's, in there's, my you know, mind there's, there's for really a lot no of different reasons. Because you're talking about the, the experience that Montreal had 
you know, he's talking about Belleville, he's talking about Hollywood, you're talking Ken about Dryden. Ken Dryden. Who's, who's a rookie. He was a rookie. <laughs> who's a rookie at that Cornway. time? Cornway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I accede to your, uh, to your uh, analysis right. there, Lou. Uh, I mean, it, from that perspective, it's not an, an indifference. It, it's not, a, of course, it's different. Uh, I certainly don't want to compare the Nashville I, Predators to the, to the late 60s and early 70s Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out to me. But I, I think the point I was making was that uh, there's, there's always momentum swings in series. And, and uh, the, you know, just because you win game five and it's a blowout, doesn't mean the other team can't come back and win Game Six, and I've seen it, and I've seen it happen zillions of times. And and if Nashville manages, uh, and you know they've got they've got you know eighteen thousand crazy lunatic fans, passionate fans tonight. Eighteen or twenty or oh, I'm not counting the forty thousand out on, on. I'm not counting the forty thousand outside. I'm just counting the ones inside the arena that they that actually stand and sing and bounce around the entire game and they're like uh you know the in basketball they call it the sixth man and i guess in hockey what is it the seventh man um they just they impart an energy to a team that is that's going to make tonight's game totally different than, than game five as far as i'm it, concerned it is going to be different uh but as a player uh the one thing we used to talk about a lot is um when you're going into a ruckus building like Nashville or the Chicago Stadium, uh, even the Boston Garden or New York uh, or Madison Square Garden, the first thing and foremost is you have to take the crowd out of the game. You've got to keep it as simple as and boring as possible, and you've got to keep it really close uh, because you know the Nashville Predators are going to get a lot of energy out of their fans. And if, if Pittsburgh can more or less stay even or get one goal ahead, uh, it's going to play in their favor. If Nashville goes the other way and they get the one-goal lead, they're just going to feed off of that, um, and it's going to be very hard for Pittsburgh to come back. So I think Pittsburgh really has to go in there and try to keep everything nice and simple and keep that crowd on their uh, in their seats instead of standing up. Well, we'll see what happens. Certainly the good news is the hockey season's going to be over. If not tonight, then Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm driving. It, it's down. about I, time. I'm, I'm driving down. And it's 25 <laughs> degrees. It's just hockey's just Wednesday not, night. It's a, are they going Wednesday? Yeah. What, what's I this about know. every three days like this? They just take the steam out of the sales. They, they of rush. The, they rush all the rest of the series and then the Stanley Cup every three games. And basketball's know, the same thing. That's Batman. That's Batman. That's I don't bad. know. Is there is, is, is there a scheduling it's conflict terrible. in Pittsburgh no. by any chance? No. 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 It's terrible. Anyways, uh, we've got a few minutes left, but we've got to take our second break. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636. Or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Wood. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We have a few minutes left. Uh, time for a couple of quick calls. If you're interested, to give us a call at 416 416- Three six zero zero seven four zero, or one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. A few minutes left. Glad to take a couple of calls. We can squeeze them in. Naz, you made a very provocative statement during our uh, commercial break, and that uh, you have some concerns about, uh, I wouldn't say concerns, but uh, you're willing to go out there a little bit and suggest that perhaps Mr. Crosby's, uh, Sidney Crosby, uh, maybe uh, have some decisions to make over the summer. You want to uh, I think he does. You want to elaborate on I, your... Uh, I think he does. With all the concussions and uh, his state in the game, he can go out on top winning the Stanley Cup there's a good possibility, not a good possibility, there's a possibility that he could retire after, at the end of the season. I really believe that. And, yeah. is, and is, that, uh, is that... For his own health, right? And I don't, I don't disagree that he's, at some point in time, he's uh, given, given the current state of, of medical uh, analysis and, and uh, sensitivity towards brain injuries... Um, at some point in time, he will uh, he will have to consider that. Um, although the thought um, that he might be retiring this summer, um, I, until this morning, that certainly hadn't hadn't gone through my mind. Um, uh, it, it goes through my mind every time he gets hit. You know, the the last time when he was showing concussion symptoms, quick comment. It was, it was going through my mind that he was going to yeah. retire. Well, it, it, it's it's not getting hit it's just the way he competes you look at every shift that he gets in the corners like one one of the goals that uh i think russ scored the other night it was just a a typical crosby play dominating below the goal line and and those guys are trying to catch him and putting a stick on him and then obviously even with with what michael trakos was talking about that with suban that's playoff hockey Mm -hmm. you know if you want to win you got to do all the dirty little things you possibly can to get a player of that nature off his game and he's going to take a lot of stick work he's going to take a lot of jabs he's going to take a lot of verbal abuse but it's just part of the game and i just love the way he gets in the corners he's not one of these guys that plays on the perimeter he goes into the dirty areas and does everything, and it just goes to show you that he wants to win this thing. And, and the players, when you see that as one of your best players, you want to help him. 
yeah. and you can just jump on his back and and go all go all out and have nothing left at the end of the game. Yeah, and I don't question his ability at all. I mean, he, he's been a great player, yeah. an absolutely terrific player. Gentlemen, quick call from Kevin from Buffalo. Kevin, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. Very quick comment on NHL coaching. I noticed over the weekend Florida Panthers named Bob Bugner yeah. as head coach. And just curious if you find men think that Phil Housley will get the opportunity here in Buffalo. And the only reason it's interesting being a non-coach, I know he's been an assistant and very well, but just your thoughts on Phil Housley and is it better to have inexperience or to go for like a Michelle Terrian, a veteran coach? And have a great week, man. Kevin, thanks so much. We really appreciate that question. That's a very good question. Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Well, I think that uh, Phil Housley would be uh, not a bad choice, but I would go off. Uh, the, the general manager is the guy from Pittsburgh now, right? It's Botterill, yeah. Botterill. I think Rick Tockett has been talked about getting his second chance in the NHL as a head coach. And he well, is a good coach from what I understand. Well, you got to remember also, uh, Phil Housley coached the, uh, the under-20 uh, U.S. junior team. So he does have a little bit of coaching experience. And it's a, it'll be a great homecoming uh, for Housley. But either one of them, I don't think that uh, it would be a bad choice. They're young guys that, that have been involved with the players of, of this era and, and the way the game is evolving. So uh, either coach will, uh, you know... I, I can't see there being a mistake with either guy uh, jumping in there. Well, let me ask you, Lou. Um, Buffalo is—they've got some talent. They've got some young talent coming up. Um, haven't had uh, the greatest uh, run in the last few years. But uh, what what type of coach, uh, when you've got a young developing team like that, um, are there, is there a certain brand of coach that works better? Than, than other brand of coach in today's NHL? I mean, this isn't the NHL from your day where, you know, to a certain extent you guys did what you were told and you had all kinds of rules and regulations and if you broke a rule, you'd be down in the American Hockey League fairly quickly. The world's changed. What, what's, what's an effective coach nowadays for that type of a team? Well, communication, is, I think, is probably the, the number one uh, idea or a model that... Uh, that uh, that GMs are looking for, and with Buffalo, they got a great abundance of talent up front. They're lacking a lot of D. The one thing that uh, they bring in is uh, his relationship with uh, Jack Eichel. It, it seems like he's going to have. Uh, you You're know, talking it, about Phil Housley. It, well, Phil Housley, or even yeah, uh, or even Tockett, yeah. and it, by just watching the playoffs now, it shows that Rick Tockett's got a great rapport with a lot of the young kids, even Sidney Crosby and Malkin on the bench. Because he's he, every time you see him, he's always talking to them about certain things, and uh, those are probably going to be the um, two most important things. If you got to get along with Eichel, and you have to be able to communicate with all the other players and get everybody on board, uh, because they do have a lot of cast of characters in Buffalo with uh, Evander Kane and uh, Eichel and a couple of the other kids. Naz, last word, fifteen seconds. I think the Stanley Cup is going to be presented to the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. Lou. I think it's going to be 4 2. Uh, Pittsburgh. And, uh, Pittsburgh. And Anyways, it, it, it's, it's going to go right down to the wire. We're going to game seven. This has been the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for another week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.